0: Unarmored Talk podcast, episode number five, first major challenge, divorce, hosted by Mario P. Fields, with today's guest, Major General Craig B. Weldon, United States Army retired. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Unarmored Talk podcast, where we will have real life conversations, that helps you develop an accurate way of thinking. Now, the way we're going to do this is by getting, you know, gaining a better understanding of how feelings, emotions, and thoughts can influence a personal or professional challenge and the outcome of that challenge, if you will. Today, we have Major General Craig Weldon, United States Army retired, and you guys know I'm your host, Mario P. Fields. General, how are you doing today?
1: Hey, Mario, I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me.
0: No, you're welcome. We're, we're, we're blessed and honored to have you. I know you just got done flying the space shuttle. I mean, you know, two-star general, there's no way. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> no, but uh, we truly appreciate it. Can you tell the listeners and viewers just a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. I, uh, I grew up, I'm a military guy since I was born, I grew up in an Air Force family, traveled all over the world like most military families do, uh, graduated from high school in Europe, went to Purdue University on a four-year Army ROTC scholarship, which obligated me to give back four years to the Army. Yeah. Uh, four years pretty soon turned into 30 years. Uh, <laughs> hey, it hey, seemed like it flew by.
0: So so how was grew- that real fast before we jump into the topic? You know, growing up in the Air Force family and then you become a soldier, right? You join the Army. How was any any yeah internal? so my dad
1: was a pilot and I figured that if I went into the air force I should be a pilot cuz that's what the air force does. Right. And my eyes just weren't good enough to fly airplanes.
0: Right.
1: Uh, so I had a stigmatism and in fact in the army when I got to Fort Hood Texas I was a tanker a cavalry guy a reconnaissance kind of guy to for you marines in in the audience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's sort of what I did. Uh, but my company commander was also a helicopter pilot and he tried to convince me to go to to flight school, and uh, I actually went up in the helicopter with him, and he turned the controls over to me several times when he was doing yeah. some practice uh, training. Uh, but my eyes still weren't good enough, and the doctor yeah. told me, he said, "You know, if you would have come in two years ago during the height of Vietnam, you would have passed because we needed lots of helicopter pilots." Right, but it's now 1974, Vietnam is winding down. We don't need helicopter pilots, and so they've tightened the screws, and so I stayed a tanker the rest of my life, which was, you know, at the time, I thought, how unfortunate, and as I now look back, I think how fortunate that I didn't go to flight school, because so many good things happened to me in the ensuing years.
0: Yeah, no. 30 30 years
1: in the Army, retired uh, in 2003. Uh, My last job was Deputy Commander of U.S. Army Pacific. Wow. And uh, Hawaii. We moved to Florida. I was there for seven years as a consultant, mostly to the Army, but also to Homeland Security and other uh, companies. And about five years into that seven-year stint, my wife said, I want to go back to Hawaii. And I said, Hawaii? Hawaii is really expensive. I'd have to get a job. She said, said, no, you're a two-star general. (laughs) She thought, uh, yeah, I'm I'm telling you, it is very (laughs) expensive for anybody who goes there. Yeah. So I started looking around in 2008 for an opportunity to go back to Hawaii. And two years after I started my search, the Marine Corps created this executive director position, an SES position, senior wow. executive position to move 8,000 Marines or 9,000 Marines and their family members from Okinawa to Guam. And I threw my name in the hat, was selected. And that's what I did for the next nine years. Wow. Two. Wow. A little over two years ago, my wife said, I'm ready to move on again. <laughs> and I said, are you kidding And you, me? Said, you said, yes, ma'am. I said, whatever you say. So <laughs> I said, where do you want to go? She said, I don't want to be too cold and I don't want to be too hot. I said, that <laughs> sounds like the, and I want to be on the East Coast because that's close to family. Right. So that sounded like the Carolinas and we ended up in Bluffton. Man, so that is... here about a year now
0: that is that is awesome and and ladies and gentlemen before before we get into the topic there's another thing about uh craig is he's an author and his book is called leadership right the art of inspiring people to be their best you guys know i love that word inspirational let me show you real quick you can see it and that's for our viewers that can see it and um again major major general craig b weldon u.s army retired is the author and leadership, the art of inspiring people to be their best. So let's jump right into the topic. We talked about inspiring people. And a lot of people I don't think know that when you were a young officer, one of the first major challenges that you had was a divorce from your college sweetheart. Yeah. How did, can you talk, talk about how that, how did you deal with that as a young officer? You know, it's right, supposed to be the example, of, I guess. And now you're dealing with a failed
1: marriage. Yeah, so you can, uh, your listeners can actually read that chapter free on my website. Uh, It's chapter 18. It's called The Light at the End of the Tunnel. Um, I married my college sweetheart, and she was everything that I could imagine a wonderful wife that I would be with until I died should be. And we moved to Fort Hood, Texas, and we were there two years, and she left me. And I was absolutely crushed. This was the first major failure in my life that I had ever had. And I really didn't know how to deal with it at the time. So what I did was I invested myself in work. I was a battalion maintenance officer for a tank battalion, and I just stayed at work. Uh, I didn't want to go home and look at four empty walls. Right. So I found myself down in the motor pool, uh, tank battalion, uh, 58 tanks and another 50 support vehicles. By myself on a Friday night at seven thirty, and doing paperwork just to stay busy to keep my mind occupied. And in walks the brigade commander.
0: So the Um, brigade, the brigade commander comes in.
1: Yeah, full colonel commanded about four thousand soldiers. Right. And says Lieutenant Weldon. Now we had never met. This was the first time I had ever met him.
0: Okay, so you. So this is new.
1: Yeah. What a perfect storm of bad luck. (laughs) I am going through all these horrible personal issues. And then right. commander, and he's now going to inspect the motor pool at 730 on a Friday night. So he wow. said, Lieutenant, let's go take a walk in the motor pool. And I thought, wow, it just piling on here. So for the next 20 or 30 minutes, we walked up and down the tank's lines and in and amongst them back and forth. He never talked about my problems. He never talked about the condition of the tank's the appearance of the tanks, the maintenance status of the tanks. The only thing he talked to me about were the challenges that he had faced in his life and how he had overcome them. And when we got done and we were back at the front gate of the motor pool, he put his arm on my shoulder and he said, there's light at the end of this tunnel. You just can't see it yet. Have a great weekend.
0: Powerful.
1: So he left and he took me out of the depths of despair that I was in at that time. And I thought here is somebody at a very senior level, multiple levels above me. I was a first lieutenant that demonstrated how much he cared about the soldiers in his organization. Didn't matter what rank. Right. And he took the time out of his, his schedule or whatever he was had planned for that Friday evening to come down there and tell me it was going to be okay. And, you know, it did become okay because right. there's two, two postscripts to this story. The first one is... I left Fort uh, Hood, Texas about four months later. And I went to the advanced course at Fort Knox, Kentucky. And about three or four months into that, I met Karen Lusk, who next month will have been my wife for 43 years.
0: Man, congratulations.
1: Cannot imagine life turning out differently than it has. I have two wonderful children. Uh, They're very successful in what they do. One lives in Japan, one of them lives in Florida. I have a the finest grandson on the planet and, <laughs> and, and the finest wife on the planet, you know, except for yours, of course, because I see <laughs> the time. Telling you how wonderful she is.
0: No, I uh, appreciate it, Chris.
1: I was in a dark place in 1976. Yeah. I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel, and there was light at the end of the tunnel, and I saw that. One other postscript to this story. Flash forward to 1990. This is about 14 years later. I'm now a battalion commander at Fort Knox, Kentucky. I have a tank battalion of my own, and I have about 1,000 soldiers. There was actually a combined arms task force of armor, infantry, and field artillery. I had about 1,000 soldiers, and I heard that from protocol on post that retired three-star general Jack Woodmansey was coming to visit Fort Knox. That was my brigade commander.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So so now he's a retired three-star. Yeah, And you were just a lieutenant when, when I don't, did, 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 do you even think that he thought how much of an impact he made on you or he he never even had no idea,
1: but he found out because I asked protocol, please call him and tell him I served under him and he, he affected me uh, in a positive way. I told a short version of what I just told you. And I would love to have him come down and give a professional development um, pitch to my officers about leadership. I had about 45 officers, right? They asked him, he agreed, he came. And when he stood up to uh, be introduced by me, I told my officers that story. And I said, you know, that is a sign of an effective leader, right? And he will reach down to the far corners of his organization to ensure that every one of his subordinates are taken care of. That's what he did for me that Friday night. And that's what I try to do. And I carried that, what I call rocking my rucksack," uh, that lesson, uh, I carried that with me from the time I was a lieutenant, all the way up until today. Uh, to always yeah. be aware that there are people in your organization that are facing challenges in their life, and they could use um, an encouraging word every now and then.
0: No, I and I'm glad you and I'm glad you highlight that because you know I was you know enlisted man, you know in in, in the Marine Corps, and and, and and just my belief in the enlisted community. A lot of times we we don't believe that the officers have the same personal struggles uh, or professional. You know, yeah. we always just kind of think that it's just an, an enlisted thing. Yeah. Um, but but for you to highlight that, no, it's not an enlisted or officer thing. It's a thing. Yeah. And, and and leadership has no rank, no, you know, no, no gender, no creed. It's a, it's an action of someone who cares In, yeah. if they do care, if you will. The
1: we all put, our, we yeah. all put our hands on the same way.
0: Yeah, that's now that's and you know the other thing I like about it, uh, uh, Craig, is is you had a choice. Um, although he visited you and he gave you some personal words of encouragement, you still didn't have to choose to turn around. You know, you didn't you you, you didn't have to choose to to make a bad situation um, a better one. Um, so, have you ever? had an experience in your personal life where someone, you know, close to you chose a different route than what you did when you were in your dark place?
1: Yeah. So I tell this story often. Yeah. And one of the reasons I tell it, because I know people in my audience have gone through challenges in their life, similar to this personal challenges. It doesn't have to be a divorce. It could be loss of a, a loved one. It could be um, a a Marine or a soldier that goes off to war and comes back without limbs. Right, yeah. Or PTSD or traumatic brain injury. I mean, there's all kinds. It could be a financial failure, a business failure. It doesn't matter what the problem is. The point is that we all face these problems. Yeah. And how we deal with those problems is what's important. And too often, young people in particular, particularly if they're facing it, this kind of a a crisis in their life, for the first time, uh, take the easy way out. And I tell you, you know this, Mario, from your time in the Marine Corps, every single day that I looked at my Blackberry, (laughs) uh, that's what I had when I was a Marine Corps senior executive, uh, there would be a report from headquarters Marine Corps that that listed the number of suicides, suicide attempts, and the number of suicide ideations. And it was a rare day that we didn't see one of those reports.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: Categories, yeah. and it's sad because somebody may have known and been able to reach out and help those people. Clearly, if it's a an attempt or an ideation, that's a signal that hey, I need help.
0: Right. Uh,
1: sadly, sometimes when they succeed in taking their own life, it's too late. And when you do the autopsy, the the psychological autopsy after the fact. Sometimes you discover, wow, there were signals here that we should have seen and we didn't, and it's too bad.
0: Yeah, and and do you you know in in, in uh, chapter nineteen you went into detail in regards to how that actually hit your personal home, yeah. and do do you do you think that uh, because of that experience personally that that shaped you and helped you deal with uh, you know folks who are potentially suicidal if you will or, or depressed because sometimes that leads to it do you think that helped you help them a little bit better and how did you get through that
1: situation so for your listeners chapter 19 talks about my sister's suicide my sister who was about eight years younger than i was on christmas eve of 1999 when her middle son was in paris island boot camp wow. getting ready to become a marine took her own life and ironically and coincidentally, her suicide note uh, in there, it said, I cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel. Wow. Exactly what I heard in 1976 from Colonel Woodman C. Wow. At the, at the, this end tunnel. So there's there's a weird connection between my experience in the divorce in 76 and my sister taking her life in 1999. Uh, because she said, I cannot, and that's the reason I titled that chapter, The Light at the End of the Tunnel. So she took her life, and then as we looked at the reasons for those, we saw signals that perhaps we could have averted uh, uh, this tragic incident. I mentioned that her middle son was in boot camp. Last August, he hit 20 years. So 2019 was the 20-year anniversary of when he joined the Marine Corps and the 20-year anniversary of losing his mother to suicide. And I was his retiring official on the fantail of the USS Missouri in Pearl Harbor wow. with him and his wife, his two wonderful kids present, and so many of his friends and relatives. He retired as a chief warrant officer four in the Marine Corps and is now a very successful second career in building a home in North Carolina near the ocean. Uh, and, you know, I I... I reflect now uh, in my presentations, I actually have a photograph of my, my nephew and his mother uh, when they were yeah. together. He was about age 14. And then a photograph that I superimposed next to it of him uh, in front of the commandant's house, uh, dressed in his finest with his wife and his two kids. Wow. And I say to the audience, you know, if, he, if she would have been able to see the way he turned out right. 20 years later and the two wonderful grandchildren which are, by the way, two of six that she now has. (laughs) Uh, If she'd have known that in 1999, maybe she would have taken a different path. Yeah. So She had a very, very troubled life. Uh, But it made me reflect in 1999, do I have my own priorities right? Right. Because at the time, I had a 13 or 14-year-old daughter. And she was fine. Uh, She was not going down the wrong path. I wanted to do everything I possibly could to make sure she didn't. So I told the Army after my sister's suicide, I want to retire when I hit 30 years service. It was about 18 months later. And the Army tried to talk me out of that. (laughs) Say it ain't so. (laughs) I will do what the Army tells me to. If the Chief of Staff of the Army wants me to do, stay, I will stay. Uh, because I knew him uh, very well, I had worked for him several times. But if you're asking for my vote, I need to prioritize what's most important in my life, and right now, it's my my kid, my family. Amen. So the chief of staff uh, came back and said, uh, "Okay, we'll let you um, retire." So I retired at 30 years service. I moved to Celebration, Florida, the town that Disney built. My daughter went to Celebration High School for two years. She went to the University of Central Florida. For four years, she graduated cum laude. She got a a part-time gig at Disney World, which she turned into a full-time job when she graduated. And uh, she's been working for Disney World now for over 10 years. Uh, She's married. She owns her own home. She travels the world. She turned out exactly the way I had hoped she would. And I'll tell you, 99% of that was because of her but I try to credit myself with
0: 1% it, it, probably sure 0.05.
1: <laughs> yeah, I put the boundaries up and said, "I'm going to do everything I can to help you be successful." And I reprioritized yeah. my life in 1999 and 2000. Which which,
0: you know, being a, a you know, a retired, you know, veteran, that's a tough decision, you know, and in in the officer corps, I believe, you know, it's even more tough because you serve at the pleasure and it's just a tough one, but, you know, for you to have the courage and the wherewithal to say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be aware of my emotions, but I'm going to use thought, right. To make this decision because I want to continue to make memories and see my daughter become great. And, and so that, yeah. you know, no, thanks for sharing. that. That's uh that's, that's
1: awesome. One more story that's yeah. related to that. I had a friend that went to West Point, which produces army officers, as you know, um, and they have reunions uh, every year and the classes go back and they see their classmates. And it's very, very popular, uh, perhaps same thing as at Annapolis and the Air Force Academy, I don't know. But anyway, he retired as a Colonel. He went to a reunion a couple of years ago and he told me this story. He said, I went back to the reunion. I saw one of my classmates across the way. He was sitting at the bar by himself and he was facing the other direction. Yeah,
0: that's uh, what, odd.
1: So he went over there and he tapped him on the shoulder and he said, hey, John, how you doing? And when John turned and looked at him, his eyes were watery. And my friend didn't know whether that's because he'd had too much to drink or that something was bothering him. Right. He said, are you OK? And he said, you know, I busted my ass for 36 years in the Army. The Army rewarded me with promotions. He's a retired three-star general. Wow. They rewarded me with promotions and command, and along the way, my wife left me, and now my kids won't talk to me. Wow! So as you look at that, you got to say, you no, know, John, when you were on active duty, did you have your priorities right? Yeah, uh, And maybe you did, but now you are seeing the fruits of that effort, because if your priorities were your career... And you lost your wife, and your kids won't talk to you now. As a result, perhaps you made wrong choices back then.
0: No, I so, like I like that, Craig. And the, and the thing I like about this this uh, this podcast is we definitely agree that one choice is not suicide. Yeah, that is definitely not a choice that we would ever support or endorse. Craig, I enjoyed having you here today. Is there any? Last remarks or you know, some some guidance you can give our viewers and listeners before I let you go back to flying space
1: shuttles. (laughs) Well, there is a there's a chapter in my book called How Tall Is Your Ladder? And I won't tell that story today. I'll let them read it. Yeah. But it's about climbing the corporate ladder, climbing the military ladder, whatever ladder it is that you're climbing. I got off the military ladder a year ago at age 68, and I got on a new ladder as an author. Uh, and as a speaker. And my book has won three national awards. It's a number one international bestseller in six countries. And my speaking career is starting to launch even in the middle of COVID. So my point to your listeners is it's never too late to start climbing a new ladder. If it isn't working for you on the ladder you're on, get off that ladder, find a new ladder and start a new climb.
0: I like it. Like, and is there a website that uh, you can leave our listeners with? I, I'll put this on our, um, on sure. the other platforms, but uh, may, please give them a, a website.
1: Yeah. CraigWeldon.com It's is W
0: H E L D E N. Craig Weldon.com. You can also Google him and you can find him um, all over the place. And then of course he'll, he'll be, uh, he'll be listed on the podcast with the, you know, pertinent information for you guys to find him. again. Here's a, here's a picture of his book. He's looking great. Look at that transition. He's not in uniform. Leadership, the art of inspiring people to be their best.
1: Hey, my What's wife, there? my my daughter took that photograph. Did she on the cover of that book? Yeah. I said to her, <laughs> I need a photograph of me that looks like I'm talking to an audience. And so we we went down, and the picture that you'll find on my website is that picture, and we put it on the cover of the book as well.
0: Man, that is awesome. You know that that hey i'm i'm smiling you see i'm smiling so i don't even need to tell you but anyway hey craig you guys be safe you know tell your family we said hello and i uh, truly appreciate you being on unarmored talk podcast
1: thanks for the invitation Mario. no
0: worries you're welcome till next time T everybody else uh, next time i'll see you guys later thank you for listening to unarmored talk podcast subscribe at www.unarmoredtalk.com to receive information on the release of upcoming episodes Unarmored Talk Podcast is sponsored by Global Inspirational Speakers, LLC, a inspirational speakers bureau that connects inspirational speakers to the world.